sound. Wow, that didn't go well. <laughs> All right, praise God. Well, we're going to have an awesome time together tonight, getting into the Word of God, and uh, just getting together with Jesus is going to be great. Um, listen, uh, for some reason, Facebook doesn't put us on live again tonight, too, so I need to go talk to those guys. But it is on the YouTube um, uh, channel, so if you know somebody that's texting you saying, hey, it's not on, tell them to go to the YouTube channel, High Desert Word Center. All right? Very good. Let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. We are going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America. Amen. And uh, we're going to keep doing this and, and releasing our faith over this nation. Amen. All right, let's say this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, give the Lord some praise tonight. Yes, and you may be seated. All right, we'll get into our announcements here. We've got a few things going on. Uh, first, I want to remind you that the 2022 giving letters were all emailed out this past week. And so if you didn't get one or if you need a hard copy for filing your taxes, that's cool. Uh, just let us know. I think there's a sign um, a paper on the info booth there. You can put your name on that. And we'll make sure you get a printed copy if you need that. All right, uh, here we go. Lift Married's Night is coming up on Friday, yeah, February 17th at 6.30, so it's going to be a married couple's night, Uh, there is free child care, so that helps out a lot right there, and it's going to be an Italian pitch-in dinner, all right, and so what is a pitch-in, that means we all pitch in and there's food available, all right, Uh, so uh, bring bring some food to share that night, an Italian dish, and uh, and we'll make sure that everybody uh, that is married gets to do that with us, all right, Uh, the next thing is membership class is coming up. Up. Amen. All right, let's get that from the info booth ushers if we could and pass the membership uh, sheet around for us. Uh, that's going to be on Sunday, February the 19th from 4 to 7 p.m. And if you are not a member and you would like to become a member and you know that, hey, this is going to be your home church, this is where you're putting down roots, then we would love for you to officially become a member. And so what we do is we'll go through the class and we'll give you a little bit of our church history and uh, we'll go through some of our uh, main doctrinal beliefs and uh, and let you know where we're at on that. And it's just a great chance for you to really hook up, make it official, and get involved and bonus there are snacks available amen lots of snacks and lots of nice little breaks in there so it's a really super fun night all right and then we have worship night coming up on yes sunday february 26th at 6 p.m so it'll be the last sunday of February, the last Sunday night, we're having worship night, and uh, we haven't done this for a little while, but this is the night when we just, man, we we worship the Lord. There's no sermon. There's nothing else planned. We just worship the Lord and give the Holy Spirit uh, free reign to move however He wants to, and it is a really, really powerful evening, and we're really excited. Alexis is really excited about it. Alexis Cockman, it just she loves these nights. Amen. All right. Yeah. 
If you weren't here Wednesday, I totally butchered this woman's name in front of everybody. It was so bad because I did her wedding and then I called her by her maiden name. And I, apparently women don't like that. I didn't know. I didn't know. But uh, so my apologies go out. All right. And then finally, the last announcement is Mrs. Pastor, my mom. It is her 75th birthday celebration. It's going to be, yeah, amen. On Sunday, March 12th at the 10 a.m. service, we're doing a great big celebration and we're going to have a dinner afterwards. Uh, so we'll give you more details in the coming weeks. She knows about it. It's not a surprise. So we're not trying to keep a secret here, but, uh, but we're really excited. I've got a lot of my siblings flying in from all over the country that are going to be here and we want it to be a very special, special day. So anyway, put that on your calendar and also my, uh, my little nephew, it's his second birthday that day and flying him in from Georgia. So we'll get to be with my little tiny nephew on that. It's going to be great. All right. Praise God. Well, I think that's all the announcements we have for now. Um, we do have the missions thing going on in the back, Cindy. Is that right? Amen. And so um, anyway, if you have any questions on that, ask Cindy and you grab a, you grab an envelope and that determines the amount that you want to donate to the trip. And uh, we're going to be sending as many people as we can to Honduras in June to help out with the mission down there with Ron and Annette Thiessen. And and it's going to be really, really great. So make sure that you get involved with that. All right. Praise God. And who knows what time it is now? It is happy time. Amen. God loves a cheerful giver. If you need an envelope, raise your hand. The ushers will give you one. And we're going to open our Bibles to Luke 6 and verse 38. Luke 6, verse 38. We'll do it in the King James. The King James. Thou hast loved me, Jesse. All right. Amen. All right. King James, Luke 6, 38. And, uh, and if you're giving online, you can go to hdwc.org slash giving. But Luke 6, 38, I mean, this is a, a giving verse that we use so much, but you got to get a hold of this in your life. It says, give, and then you don't have any left for you. No, <laughs> give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. And so uh, this verse, I mean, it goes contrary to the, the the wisdom of this world, right? The wisdom of this world is like, no, you don't want to do that, man. You give, then you're, you don't have any left for you. But God's word says, no, give, and it shall be given back unto you. It's a good measure. Press down, shaking together and running over. Amen. When you give, God always sees to it that not only do you get back, but you get back more than you had originally given. It is a biblical principle. And we realize that our motivation for giving isn't just so we can get back. We know that. We give because we love God. We love people and we want to be obedient to the word. But you cannot deny the fact that the scripture does tell us when we give, it does come back to us. Amen. And so when we give, uh, yeah, we do expect that we are going to receive because it is the word of God. Amen. All right. Well, let's go ahead. We're going to speak some words of faith together over our tithes and our offerings. We're going to get into some worship and have a great time together tonight in the word of God. Let's stand up together. Amen. Who's excited to be here on this wonderful man Sunday night? Woo. All right, we're going to say this financial faith confession together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, 
benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go. Feel free to join us at the altar tonight as we worship the Lord. You called us to darkness You reached down to save us You conquered the grave You crossed the divine Lost in our sin You made us alive How can we ever hold it inside We can't hold back We're gonna Every tribe, every tongue, every heart will sing every name. 
every tribe, every tongue, and every heart will sing. Every knee we will bow to the risen King. Lift Him up, lift Him up. Never gonna stop singing. Never gonna stop.
And this will end in victory And I will believe it I will believe it Cause you make mountains move You make giants fall You use songs of praise To shake prison walls I will speak to my fear speak to my fear I will preach to my doubt you were faithful then you'll be faithful now you were faithful then you'll be faithful now and I know that I know you never fail oh yes I know that I know you never will And I know that I know You never fail Oh yes, I know that I know You never will Let's raise our hands and sing that Cause you make mountains move You make giants fall You use songs of praise to shake prison walls I will speak to my fear I will preach to my doubt You were faithful then You'll be faithful now You were faithful then You'll be faithful now Hallelujah, thank you Jesus we thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. And we know time and time again, you have proven that you are there for us, Jesus. We love you and we magnify your name tonight. We ask that you would have your way in this house, Lord. Speak to us. And Jesus, I thank you that as we receive your word tonight, that you are changing us for your glory. We love you and we praise your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, tonight is the fifth Sunday night of the month, and we uh, started a new thing last year where every fifth Sunday night we take communion yeah, simply because there's, you know, we have uh, some of our congregation, this is the main service they can come to, and they don't ever get a chance to take communion with us on Sunday mornings. And so uh, we want to make that available tonight. So we are going to uh, receive communion together, and anyone watching online, I invite them to get some elements from their house there, and they can take communion with us. But let's go ahead and 
and uh, we'll line up and come on up this evening and get your communion elements. And then uh, here in just a minute, uh, we'll uh, look at a few verses and receive communion together. Amen. Go ahead. for us here tonight as we receive communion. I'm going to look at Hebrews chapter 10 and, uh, and verse 4. It says, For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. And you're like, well, what does that have to do with anything? Well, in, under the old covenant, you had to continuously try to, you know, make atonement for your sins uh, through the blood of these animals, and uh, and it just it wasn't working. It was never good enough. And so I love right here, verse five. It says that is why when Christ came into the world, he said to God, "You did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer." And so Jesus said, let's just take care of this once and for all. Let's quit running in circles here. Let's pay the price once for all time. And that's what Jesus did when he shed his blood on the cross. And, and you know, I, I, I often I give this ex- exhortation nearly every time we do communion, but communion such a holy and precious time and it's not a time to joke it's not a time to you know I, I mean i love to joke i love to you know be goofy and say stupid things a lot but not a communion i don't i don't mess around with communion and there's a reason for that and it's because we are dealing with the blood of jesus right here and so i'm going to look at a couple of other verses in this same chapter and they may sound a little bit scary but it's not to scare people it's just to uh remind us that 
there are some things that are holy and you don't mess with holy things. And one of those things is the blood of Jesus. And so this is Hebrews chapter 10 and verse, I'm just going to go to verse 28. It says, for anyone who refused to obey the law of Moses was put to death without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Well, I'm super glad I don't live under the law of Moses. All it would take was for two or three people to say, yeah, he did it. And then they could just kill me, you know, as punishment. I'm glad that I live under the new covenant. I like it a lot better. But verse 29, so, you know, it says that. But verse 29, just think how much worse the punishment will be for those who have trampled on the Son of God and have treated the blood of the covenant, which made us holy, as if it were common and unholy. And have insulted and disdained the Holy Spirit who brings God's mercy to us. And so that's one massive reason why uh, we take communion seriously. We realize that, you know, the juice we have before us isn't literally the blood of Jesus, but it does represent the blood of Jesus. And, you know, we kind of giggle a little bit at, man, the old covenant was hard. That was bad. All it took was for two or three people to witness against you. Well, the New Testament says, yeah, that was bad, but it's a lot worse to disrespect the blood of Jesus. And so I encourage us that when we take communion, when we teach our children about communion, I love to see the kids taking communion. Uh, we just want, we want them to learn the right way. And, and that's why, you know, I, I, I just, it's, so, it's such a serious thing. It's the blood of Jesus, man. The, the most valuable thing that has ever come into this world. So praise God. We're going to take a minute here, though, out of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And the Apostle Paul told us, let each man examine himself before he receives the communion elements. He said to judge yourself. And listen, if there's something that you need to talk to God about, hey, this is the time to do it. This is the time. If the Lord has been nudging you about something and and, and uh, trying to get your attention, well, listen up and talk to him right now. If there's something that we need to repent of and say, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Help me to overcome this. This is that time. So let's take just a minute here to examine ourselves, judge ourselves, and then we will receive the elements together. Amen. First Corinthians eleven twenty three, the apostle Paul writes and says, for I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this to remember me. And so Jesus 
we take this bread tonight and we realize that this represents your body that was broken and beaten, Lord, for us. And you said to do this to remember you. And so, Jesus, we thank you and we remember you tonight in Jesus' name. And in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. And so, Jesus, we take this tonight, and we understand that this represents our new covenant. Our sins are forgiven, Lord. We have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, Lord. And you have washed us as white as snow in our spirit, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for this blessing and this new covenant. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I'll have Josh, Pastor Josh, lead us in uh, one uh, one uh, hymn here, Lord, nothing but the blood of Jesus, and then we'll get into the word of God tonight. Amen. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? What can make me whole again? Nothing, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious, oh, precious is that flow that makes me white as snow. No. But the blood of Jesus Oh, precious is that flow That makes me white as snow No other fountain, no Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for the precious blood of Jesus. Lord, we know that the blood of Jesus made the way for us to become sons and daughters of God. And we know that the blood of Jesus helps clean us up again if we miss it, if we do wrong. We know your word says that you're just and faithful to give us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness if we confess our sins. And so we want to thank you. We're always going to know that. Always remember that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Well, happy birthday to me. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I just, I just thinking about spiritual things. I never, I never really knew spiritual things at all until, uh, 1980. And I'm going to share my testimony, but I want to share some, I want to share some scriptures first. We're going to look at Revelations chapter 12. Revelations chapter 12. And we'll be starting off at verse 7. But, uh, as you're turning there, I want to show you the devotional. 
Did everybody get a devotional today? All the families got devotional. Well, this, these devotionals are from 43 years of serious living for Jesus. Preaching, teaching. This is not a brother Hagin, Kenneth Copeland, Marilyn Hickey, or anybody else. This, this, this is things from my heart that I put it here that I've learned, that I've experienced, and, and, uh, just things that have helped me that I live by. And it's, it's so strange when I go to read these myself, because I always follow our devotional too. When I read these, Man, they always speak to me too fresh when I see them because I usually do these two or three months in advance and, and get ahead of it. But uh, I'm looking at this one here for February. It says the first half of this devotion is going to be, I am my brother's keeper. I am my brother's keeper. That comes from the book of Genesis, Cain and Abel, when uh, Cain killed Abel. And then God came wanted to know what was going on. Where, where, where's Abel? He said, am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord made me... A series out of this, the first uh, 15 days of this devotional, and the first thing he had me say there as I looked at some verses was this, if you're a born-again Christian, yes, you are your brother's keeper. We as Christians have to recognize that we're not the world. We were in it, but we're out of it now. We're born-again Christians. We have the love of God in our heart. And just as God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, who said, believe that him should not perish, but have everlasting life, we have that same love in us, and we give our lives and our times and our substance and whatever we've got to help people in life. But we've got to remember we're not the government. We're not, their, we're not their financial support that makes them lazy and never get anything out of life. We come along to help people pick them up and lead them to Jesus so they can find life. Amen? You know, that's something that, uh, I can't hit the money trails. I got to get back to this. But that's something we as Christians have to realize. If all we do is act like goofy government people that pay everybody's bills, take care of them, they'll never go anywhere in life. They'll be lazy and they'll have nothing. But as we see people down and out and hurt, which I don't know about you, but I've been there before. It is so wonderful when you're praying for groceries for your family. You're praying for gas for your car to get to work. Some fellow believer comes along and helps you get your car going. Helps put food on your table while you're getting back on your feet. That's what we are. We're people with the love of God. And so, yes, you're your brother's keeper. Then the second half is becoming conscious of his indwelling presence. And this is things that I've learned over all my Christian life that's helped me to stay strong, victorious, and always ready to serve God. At the drop of a hat, I'm ready to go, and I'll drop the hat just so I can go. Amen. That's how I've lived. But these, these things will really help you, so make sure, make sure you follow these devotions. And uh, I already know what March is. It's already printed up and ready to go, too. But it's a really, really, these are powerful. How many have been reading these? Amen. Amen. They're real. They're real. You know, because, because, you, because you go to this church, you know me, and you, I know when I read Brother Hagin's devotionals or Brother Copeland's, as I'm reading them, I can hear their voices, see their faces. And so I'm sure it works that way with this one too. But anyway, those devotionals are part of 43 years of victorious Christian living. And so uh, I'm going to share some things from my life, but these are things that uh, will help you get started there. Verse 7, and uh, I'm going to be heading up to a place here. But anyway, some people don't understand spiritual things. I never understood spiritual things, knew nothing about them until I got bored again. But people wonder sometimes, well, where demons come from? Well, right here it tells you in verse 7, there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought. That, that's God's head, head angel. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. 
and the dragon fought in his angels. Let's talk about Satan and prevailed not. Satan and his, his angels prevailed not, neither was their place found anymore in heaven. If you look back at verse 4, I don't want to turn back there on the computer. Look back at verse 4. It says that, that a third of the angels, a third of God's angels were kicked out of heaven and they become demon spirits. And this is, this is just things that Christians need to know I knew nothing about. And so they became demon spirits. And then it says, verse 9, and the great dragon was cast out. There's a lot of names for Satan. The great dragon was cast out, that old serpent. He's the dragon, old serpent, called the devil, called Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. Which deceiveth the whole world. And that's my testimony will help people tonight because I was a deceived person when I was a world person. But as I become a born-again Christian, you know, I'll just say this. There's nobody in the world I hate because Jesus said if you hate anybody... You're the same thing as a murderer in your heart. And so there's not hardly anything at all that politicians do that I can agree with because they're anti-God, anti-Christ, anti-Bible. But do not hate one single solitary politician. There's a lot of people that stir up a lot of things in life all around me in society. I hate none of them because I'm not deceived. Because I know, I know that one day they'll take their last breath. And, and there's, there's an expression I wouldn't use either. I'd, I'd, I'd never, I'd, I would never use the expression. Well, boy, I'm going through hell. No, when you read the Bible about hell, you're not going through hell. There might be some bad things here, but hell is hot. You don't play with any friends. It's forever and ever and ever and ever. And so we major on heaven, and just as great as heaven is forever and ever, hell's just the opposite of greatness. On the hell end. So I would never say that. As I've talked about right here, deceiveth the whole world. That's why I cannot afford, as a born again Christian, to hold grudges, get mad, get even, and go against people that have hurt me or wronged me or wronged my, wronged my church or my family because I'm on the God side. Amen. And so we got to recognize what's going on. And so he says, He deceives the whole world. He was cast out to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And so I, w- I want to say this. I, I would never, ever, 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 ever come against a fellow Christian or a Christian preacher. Because that's the accuser of the brethren spirit. Amen. And so I want to tell you, I want to tell you this from walking with God all these years and knowing the Bible and the love of God. If you're somebody that's a gossiper, a bad mouther, a putting down on Christians, you're no friend of God's. It says Satan is the accuser of the brethren. And so I know that I learned that, and you know, I'm talking about my testimony. I learned early, early as a Christian. That if I see a Christian go through a hard time, sinning, getting sucked up and it, it, it back into that old life again, instead of throwing stones at them, I want to help them. And if they don't like me or they hate me and think I'm part of their problem, all I can do then is quietly pray for them and keep it between myself and God. 
And you know, I, I've seen, I've seen, boy, these bunny trails, man, they get me every time. I've, I've seen so many religious Christians, so many religious Christians that are holier than thou, where they're having a thing going on between them and a family member, another Christian. Well, I'm praying for you. Well, no, you're not praying for them. You're condemning them right there. If you're praying for them, you're not even telling them. You're walking away and you're saying, Satan, take your hands off my sister. Take your hands off my brother. I break the power of that addiction. I bind that off of them in the name of Jesus. And you don't even have to tell them because you're talking to the Father. Amen. And so that's one of the things I learned as a Christian all these years. When I see people down, I don't kick them because I remember what Jesus said. When they brought that woman caught in adultery, he told them, hey, he is without sin, you cast the first stone. Amen. Amen. So he says the accuser of the brethren spirit. And then uh, verse 11 is the, is the verse I want to look at because this is where I'm going to bounce off of for my testimony. And so this is talking about Christians. And Pastor Dave talked this morning about this is the Apostle John of the Isle of Patmos. And God gave him an open vision of heaven. He saw all these things. And so then here's what he saw. And I've used this so much. Remember this morning I gave you the example of past tense, present tense, or future tense. He has blessed us all uh, spiritual blessings in Christ. Look at this. He saw this. He saw this for us in the day we live in. And they overcame him. Guess what? If he says we overcame the devil, then we did. But he tells us how. And I've lived off these three things in this verse right here for 43 years. And they overcame him by the what? Blood of the Lamb. What did Pastor Dave just talk about? They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. I've always, always, always in my Christian life knew if I didn't know what else to do, I could say, I plead the blood. I plead the blood. And somebody said, what's that mean, plead the blood? Well, the best example I can think of was something I heard Brother Copeland give years ago. always stuck with me. How many know what a courtroom is? Okay, there's, 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 there's three people involved with your life if you're up there before the judge. You got the prosecutor, who's the accuser. And then you got your defense attorney, which is on your side, and then you got the judge. And so let's, let's just say that Jesus is your defense attorney, because the Bible tells us he's ever living to make intercession. And then you got the accuser of the brethren, you got the prosecutor up there. And you got God the judge. And you have missed it. You've done wrong. You absolutely know you've sinned. And you've made use of what communion tells you. You've judged yourself already before you ever got there. You said, Father, I know I've sinned. And I ask you to forgive me my sin. And then First John 1, 9 says his blood cleanses you. And so you get up there, and you're standing there, and the accuser is talking to God. And right now we're getting a picture of heaven and the devil accusing you. Talk about all the bad things you did. And then Jesus says, I've taken care of that. And then the judge, God, looks down at you and says, how do you plead? I plead the blood. And God says, dismissed, go home. Amen. So I learned that a long, long time ago that uh, I've done enough wrong in my Christian life, things I wish I had to done. And you have too. But I learned this. I overcome by the blood of the Lamb. And so I know that whatever happens... And a lot of times I've prayed this way. I've said, Lord, you said I overcame already. Please show me what I did to overcome. And the first thing you do is plead the blood. And there's the things you need to do. You do them. But he says, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb 
And then also, number two, by the word of their testimony. You don't know how valuable your testimony is. And I'll talk about that just a bit in my testimony. You don't know how valuable your testimony is. You know, we as Christians, we as Christians don't realize things that are so real to us that an unsaved person hasn't got a clue about. Or a Christian that hasn't been taught the word like you've been taught. You know, we take so much for granted that we know because we get taught real good at the church. But when you're talking to somebody else, you don't even realize that most of the time that God's using you. Because you're saying things that you don't realize you're saying. And the one you're talking to, God had this appointment set up, a divine appointment. And you're talking, as you're sharing your testimony, you're giving glory to him. But he's using you to set them free. And so I've learned as a Christian to never be bashful when I know God's prompting me to share something he's done for me. And, you know, most of the time, I want to say it again because we live in earth suits, we're kind of embarrassed sometimes. And we're just kind of bashful about sharing things. But God not only wants us to share it, it's not so much for us, but it's for them. And we don't even realize that. And I can't tell you how many times over the last 43 years somebody's come back to me and said, man, I was talking to you that one day out at that Walmart store and you just tell me about your son or you just tell me about this or about that or how God took care of that car thing. I'll tell you what, you don't know what I was going through right then. And when you told me that, that spoke right to my heart. Amen. And then this last thing is absolutely a key. And they love not their lives unto the death. My wife and I have always, always, always loved what Jesus wants us to do more than we loved our own life. More than we love our house, our car, or anything else in life. We've always put Jesus first. In other words, we were sold out. And so that's what I'm talking about my testimony. I've learned the value of the blood. I've learned the value of sharing my faith with people. And I've learned the value of never saying no to Jesus. Amen. And I tell you what. Luke 6, 38, Pastor David just said, Give it, it shall be given unto you. And you know, that's talk, we use it for offering scripture. That's like anything else. If you need more time to schedule, you give more time to Jesus to do things for him. If you think that your time's getting stolen from you, find a way to serve him in the church more. And because whatever you give, if you give your time to Jesus, he's got time coming back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shake together, running over. Whatever it is, whatever it is, that principle always works. But those three things have really helped me in my Christian life. And so uh, I was deceived about spiritual things as a lost person. And then I'm not deceived anymore. I know how real the spiritual realm is. And so I'm not going to get suckered by the devil into acting like the world. And I like that thing that said that devotion that the Holy Ghost gave me. Yeah, my brother's keeper. Because whatever I do comes back to me, good measure, pressed down, shake together, run it over. When I help others, whatever I need comes back to me, multiplied too. Amen? Amen. And so I want, I want you then now to go to Acts chapter 26. And this is Paul's testimony. And I, do, I identify so much, a lot of identifying lately, boy, but it's not that kind of identifying. I identify with Paul as somebody that was once a sinner. But I'm a blood-bought Christian. I identify with Paul. Amen. Hey, that's pretty good, isn't it? Hey, Amen. If you're going to identify with somebody, identify with a winner out of the Bible. Hey, Amen. So Acts 26, we're, we're, going to, we're going to look at uh, verse 13. 
And, and Paul was giving his testimony to the king. He'd been in prison and a lot of things going on. And so he says, At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven about the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth. Anybody ever hear people talk about how they fell off that donkey? They say they fell off a donkey. They was walking. These guys walked everywhere they went. Everybody says, uh, Saul fell off his high horse. He was a walker. You know, isn't that funny how people put their own interpretation on things? You know, you can fall to the earth while you're standing. And if you're surrounded by a light from heaven in the daylight, when all of a sudden it's so bright, it blinds you in the daylight, man, you fall too. And so it says, And they were all fallen to the earth. I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And that, and that pricks there, I didn't know what that was until a few, few years ago. I'd always quoted the verse, and finally one day I started out, that pricks there is a cattle prod. And, you know, we, we was raised around cow country where I was at. And so with the cows, where they got, what to go, they got a sharp stick, and they keep poking them with it to make the cow keep moving. And he says, you can't kick against that. You're going to get hurt. And that's what we talking about. Paul, Paul was resisting. Paul was resisting Christianity. He was a Jew's Jew. He was a scholar. And he was resisting everything. And he said, he said, uh, uh, who are you? He said to him, I said, who art thou, Lord? He said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. And think about this. He didn't believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. He didn't know Jesus, but he's putting Christians in prison. He didn't change, pulled them out to have them killed because they were preaching Christianity. He said, I'm Jesus whom you persecutest. And so that's another thing. That I guess this is something the Lord wants to make sure he gets across to you. Jesus takes it personally when you hurt Christians. I'll tell you what, I'd rather do anything in the world that it cause problems for a Christian. Because I know that Jesus, the only thing that holds him back from coming down on me is his mercy and his goodness. Think about that. Jesus is in heaven. He'd been raised from the dead, right hand of the Father. And so he's in heaven. He's safe up there. He can't be crucified again. Did it once. He went to heaven. And so Paul's going around giving people like you and me a hard time because we're Christians. And finally, Jesus shows up. So, okay, I've had it. He said, why are you persecuting me? And so if you work with a Christian on your job, or you have a Christian in your family, and they don't believe the Bible like you do, or they mess up and do things wrong, the worst thing you could do is start coming down on them. I wonder how many Christians have went to heaven early because they got judged because of how they're treating other Christians. That's something to think about, isn't it? And so he said, why persecutest thou me? But he said this, but rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose. And as I read this, I think about all my Christian life, I got hold of this passage a long, 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 long time ago. As a matter of fact, April of 1981, I know exactly when I got it. I got, I got a hold of this, and this has always stuck with me. And so I, w- I want to look at, share some of my testimonies. I look at this, but what he says that that bright that light come down as the brightness of the noonday sun, that was a supernatural experience that brought him into the kingdom of God, because 
immediately, the first thing he said was, Who are you, Lord? That's that already. I receive you. I just don't know what your name is. He called him Lord. He said, Who are you, Lord? He got born again during that conversion right there. He immediately confessed Jesus Christ as Lord. He got born again. But I think about my life and how I identified that supernatural experience. Back in the fall of 1979, I started wanting to get right with God. When I was, uh, my family, you know, I've told this to you so many times, you know this, but somebody's watched out there, they don't know it. So anyway, uh, when, I was, when I was a freshman in high school, I got born again. And I lasted about a year, but none of my family was for it. Just, I mean, you know, it got to be pretty rough at home and everywhere else. I didn't have one single solitary person except my grandma that believed in Jesus. And, you know, it was so bad. My mom and dad's in heaven now, so I'm not talking about them, but it's part of my testimony. I, I, I've worked since I was eight years old. I started working when I was eight years old. And so anyway, I'd wor- I've worked all my life. I mean, I went to school. I was a little kid. That's the way my family was. You, you worked. So I started working. I started cutting grass, shoveling snow, and picking up pop bottles. Anything I could do to make money, I did that. So I, I had always worked. But then when, when I got born again at the Baptist church, they taught tithing. If they taught tithing, I was a sincere born-again Christian. And so I started giving 10% of my money, and my parents found out about it. And so they, they, they got mad. They said, you don't give money to that preacher. So they started taking my money. And that's, that's beginning my backsliding because I thought, man, what's going on here? So they started taking my money, and so that, anyway, tithing was in me. And so uh, I, I backslid after about a year, and then I started, I started getting hungry for God. And so I quit smoking. I man, just all of a sudden, I, man, I didn't want to smoke anymore. I throw, throw my cigarette packs out the window and then buy one, you know, another pack again the next week. <laughs> and finally, I thought, man, I don't want any more of this. And then I got rid of my beer. I didn't want to drink anymore. And I didn't know what was going on because I wasn't even thinking about God. I just wanted some change. I just thought, man, I don't like life. Life's just too stupid. I don't want it anymore. And so then I got to thinking, I need to get right with God. And so the only way I know to get right with God was to find a church. And so there was a denominational church in the neighborhood where I grew up at, so I went back there. And December of 1979, there was five Sundays in that December. And so every Sunday morning, I'd go to that church. And they were talking about the poinsettia flower. That's what they preached about. They'd have these families come up there for a three-by-five card. They'd read about the history of the poinsettia. They'd tell you all about the poinsettia. And they'd have communion. And every time they'd try to get me to take communion. But I, I had enough of God in my life as a freshman. I knew I wasn't worthy to take communion. I wasn't living for God. So they'd, every Sunday, they'd pass that around. They'd come to me and they here, take it, take it. I said, I can't do that. I said, I'm not living for God. I can't do that. And so they do that. And then at the end of the service, denominational church, you know, I mean, really, really, really religious place with stained glass windows and just all kinds of stuff there. I'm not saying anything bad about that, but that's what it was, a religious place. But I was a sinner, so I thought God was there. But I come to find out he wasn't. I went up to the altar the first Sunday there, walked up there, walked up to the pastor. He said, hi, I saw, I saw you back. I said, yeah. I said, I need to get right with God. Well, I do forbid the Baptist church, that meant get saved. And the guys just kind of shrugged me off and wouldn't pray for me. They just said, well, it was nice you were here. I thought, yeah, I want to get right with God. And so I left, come back the next Sunday. 
had the same thing. I went to the associate pastor this time. Come up there, and I told him, I want to get right with God. Will you pray with me? And he didn't pray with me, just sent me away. Five Sundays in a row, I went up there. Five Sundays in a row, nobody would pray with me. Wouldn't lead me to Jesus. That was a church. That's why I said it was a religious church, but I don't think God was there. I think if God would have been there, those preachers would have known it. What do you think? And so, and so, I was hungry for God. I was crying out, and I just really didn't know what to do. You know, like I said, the Baptist church, I got saved. But that was a long time ago, and now here I am, know nothing about anything. And so, one day, one of my truck-driving buddies, we were, we were driving through the interstate in Indianapolis, we started talking on the CB radio, and we stopped pulled over to have lunch. And so we're talking, and I must have said something about I've been going to church to try to find God because he told me his wife had found him and her family. And so he told me all about that. Long story short, through an unsaved truck driver, I got born again. And he's still not born again yet. I'm still praying for him, talked to him on Facebook, and et cetera, et cetera. But I, I owe my salvation to that man to point me in the right direction. And so let's just think about this as Christians. If an unsaved truck driver could tell another unsaved truck driver where to go to get saved, surely all of you can. Amen. Amen. Just just think, he will get born again before he dies. I've held on to that guy all these years. He's older than me, so he's getting closer. But anyway, just think about this, how much fruit he will have to his account when he gets this thing right. All of you, all the people back in Indiana and around the world I've got to minister to, if this guy had to point me in the right direction, where would have I been? Christians, 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 we need to share. We need to tell. We need to talk about it. Tell them about Jesus. Tell them where your church is. Tell them what God's doing in your life. I guarantee you, he never had any idea when we were sitting there at that, that, that Jewish delicatessen eating. Jewish delicatessen. As we were sitting there eating, he had no idea what was going to take place out of that conversation. Amen. And so then, I, I want to read this again, because we're going to be getting to this, this, this place here. He said, verse 16, Rise and stand upon thy feet. I've appeared unto thee for this purpose. And you know, a lot of Christians that are religious say, Oh, I know God's got a purpose for my life. Duh. He's got a purpose for all of our lives. He says to make thee a minister and a witness. At the minister part, you got to remember, minister means to serve. God's appeared unto you. Some of us are called to serve up here behind a pulpit, but everybody's called to serve. And so this, this, this is for me. This is for you. Identify with Paul. He said to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen are those things the which I will appear unto thee. And so there's a whole lot more that I can share now that I did when I first got saved. He hasn't appeared to me where I saw him, but he's appeared in my life many times, many things. He's done a lot of things. I can share a lot of things now I couldn't share then. And so what he said, said your, 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 your ministry is going to get stronger progressively because the more you walk with me, the more you're going to see what I do. And so that's where we are as Christians. And so back to that first part there, that glory came down on him. And so at the time, I was living with my ex-wife. We'd been divorced for a few years. We'd got together for a while. So we were doing things together. She had a lot of health problems. 
And so when my friend told me about this Pentecostal church, the first Friday night in January of 1980, they had, they had services during the week and Sunday. We went in there on that Sunday night. And when we did, my unsaved truck driver's wife was there. She met, she met us at the door, walked us in there, and it was, it was Pentecostal. And I'd never been around Pentecostal. I'd been around was Baptist. That's all I'd known. And so anyway, uh, we went up there at the end of the service. The, the, the wife took us up there and said, she's been sick. She wants you to anoint her fall and pray. I didn't know anything about anointing fall and pray. I didn't know anybody about any of that stuff. So anyway, she got out the bottle of oil and she doused her real good and she prayed a good Pentecostal prayer over her, spit all over her and did all the Pentecost stuff. And we left. I knew nothing. You know, we just knew, well, man, this is good. It felt good in there. It felt, you know, I didn't know what the anointing was, but I thought, man, this, this feels good here. It didn't feel like the denominational church. This church felt like God here. And so we were in there. And so then we came back on Sunday. And so we started coming Friday night and Sunday morning to the church there. And then on the 28th of January, on the 28th, at nighttime, we were getting ready to go to bed. And just all of a sudden, I just got to thinking about what we'd been seeing because it was just life. I hadn't given my heart to Jesus yet. It was just go to this church and enjoy what we saw happening. And I looked over at her and I said, do you think God's real? I mean, I was, I was very sincere. I said, do you think he's real? And uh, she said, I don't know. And I said, well, I think he probably is. I said, don't you think your health's getting better? Because I can see a change in her. She's acting different. Because she's going about two or three different doctors. I said, yeah, yeah, I think it is. I, yeah, I am doing better. And I said, do you think it's because that Pentecostal lady prayed for you? And she said, maybe. And I said, well, do you think God's the one that did it? And she said, she really didn't know. She didn't, well, she wasn't raised right in any kind of church, didn't know anything. And she said, I don't know. And I said, well, I think he probably did. And she said, yeah, yeah, he probably did. That, this, is, this is my testimony. I think about Paul, the supernatural, what I'm getting ready to come to. And so she, she had part of it got healed, still had some other things going on. And so I said, you know what? I said, if God did it, he's not just in the church, he's right here. I said, he's probably listening to us right now. I said, I bet he's listening. They said, yeah, I think he probably is. And I said, yeah. I said, well, if it was God, the one that did it, because the lady said it was God, she just did the praying. I said, well, if God's there and God's here, he answers her prayers, he'd answer my prayer if I prayed for you. I said, yeah. I said, okay, I'm going to pray for you about the rest of it. And then I stopped and said, wait a minute, I don't know how to pray. This is a true story. It went just like this. And so I looked up the number of my friend's wife, and I called the house there, and she answered the phone. And I told her basically what I just told you, that, uh, you know, we decided that uh, God had healed part of her, but not the rest of it. And I said, I want to pray for her. How do I pray? And so I really don't know what the lady said, because next thing happened, I had the sun on me like Paul had on him. I reached over, I put my hand on her stomach, because she's having female trouble. And when I did that, lights out. We were knocked out. Woke up the next day. And it felt, all I can say, out of all these 43 years, I've never had that happen again. From my elbow to my fingertips, it felt like I was standing in a bucket of water. 
I had an electric socket right here at the ball bat and stuck my hand in it. I mean, the, it was that power that when, that, when that when that power came through me, it knocked us both out. And that's why I say I identify with Paul. He had that supernatural experience of God, didn't know what was going on. That's what happened to me. And so, didn't think, you know, I just, it was just so weird. It's just like we were in a trance or something. I got went to my job the next day. And as I go about my truck driving business, I was in downtown Indianapolis. And I was in this customer's office, had the phone there. I called my dispatcher to line up him about things like that. And I thought, man, I got time to slip in a quick call. So I called her, and she told me that some things that just happened within her that very obviously got God took care of some female things. And as soon as she said that, so powerful, the things she shared with me, I hung the phone up, and I was a stranger. There's the truck driver. There's people all over the place, and I really did this. I never raised my hands before. I stood right there. I hung the phone up and said, Jesus, I know you're real now. I give my life to you. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And that's when my born again started, right there that day. Amen. Amen. And and that that that's one of the reasons I've always been so strong on healing. I came into it that way. And so then on February the fourth, we went over to some friend's house. As we were over there, the lady started speaking in tongues where we went to, and she said, "God wants you baptized in the Holy Ghost." And I didn't know anything much about anything because just the Pentecost stuff was all brand new. The, the Pentecost already tried to surround me one night and overload me, but uh, they didn't do anything except scare me, so nothing happened. But these nice people said that. So laid hands on us and prayed. And then the next day, I was driving a straight truck 306, stopped for lunch at uh, the MCL cafeteria on Pendleton Pike in Indianapolis, and I was just sitting in my truck, getting ready to go in and eat. And I said, Jesus, I love you. I just want to thank you, Jesus, for all you're doing. All of a sudden, it's like a can opener opened the top of my truck, my cab. And the power of God came down from heaven through that truck. Absolutely saturated me. And filled me up. And on a scale of 1 to 10 for salvation, eternal life, like the salvation then was about right here, barely a 1. But the baptism of the Holy Ghost took me way past 10. It just absolutely changed everything. And so if you've never been baptized with the Holy Ghost yet and become a tongue talker, don't hold back after day. You need filled with the Holy Ghost. Get your life changed. Amen. So that was 43 years ago. He said, uh, he said, Stand upon thy feet. I've appeared to thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, out of those things which I will appear unto thee. Now look at this. Delivered the people and from the Gentiles who now I send thee. And so you notice in verse 16, I'm going to make him a witness. And then he said, I'm going to deliver you to the people. And so that was the first witness protection program. No, that's, that's true. That's what the Lord told me years ago. That's the witness protection program. Have, has, has this ever happened to anybody besides me? You know somebody's your case. God has you witnessing to them, trying to help them, and they're mean to you. But then God has you cross their path again and talk to them again, and they're mean to you. That's happened to me more than once where people have turned on me, but I can't tell you how many times people, people that didn't like me, ended up receiving Jesus and becoming best friends. But that's because I wouldn't give up because the love of God is in my heart, 
and it reaches out. God says, I will deliver you from the people I send you to. I want to say that to you again. A lot of people don't understand that. We can't choose who our cases are. The Holy Ghost chooses. I, I, man, I tell you, there have been so many mean people that I've had to spend time with, shaking in my boots because I was, because I didn't know what they might do. I, I don't want to tell you about Trigger tonight. He was a hit man for the outlaws. Uh, I had to go to jail one time for a while. He was my cellmate. But... Uh, I was in jail for righteousness. I did nothing wrong. But anyway, in that cell there, Trigger run the whole cell. He he run the whole thing. And in that place where I was sleeping, there was a tattoo parlor. There was drugs. There was beer. There was gambling. Everything was going on. I'd never been around tattoo stuff in my life. But it's a strange thing. You live there try to go to sleep and slip the people in the cell one at a time. You're... (laughs) But anyway... That was real. That that was an experience that I'd ever want to go through again. But can you imagine uh, when I when I when I asked one of the other guys, I said, "Why do they call him Trigger?" I said, "Because he shoots people." All I was thinking about Trigger, Roy Rogers' horse. I mean, that's that's a true story. But being in there with him for a while, getting a witness to him was such a thing. Everybody in there feared the guy. But I just laid there reading my Bible and praying in tongues and say, "Preacher, what are you reading?" I say, well, I'm reading the Gospel of John. Jesus said, you must be born again. Well, what's born again? And just keep sharing the Gospel. I wasn't run out of there. I was there. But I didn't want to be there. I was on assignment. He said, making your witness to people to whom I now send thee. And you know what I found out about some of those tough assignments? I got away, I pray. I say, Lord... I've been a lot of tough assignments with you. I say, Lord, show me what it is you really want to accomplish here, and I'll get it done quick so I can leave. <laughs> and if there's anything you want me to learn while I'm here, show me. I'm a quick learner. I want to learn so I can get promoted again. Hey, Amen. Is this helping anybody? Amen. Hey, man, there's things in life. There's things in life that God has for you to accomplish, but you've got to love not your life till the death. You got to know how to plead the blood of Jesus. You got to know how to share your testimony. And so it says uh, then, verse eighteen, and we're back to the spiritual things that I didn't I didn't know about as a sinner. He says, as we're, he says this to these people, he says to open their eyes to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God, from the power of Satan unto God, from the power of Satan unto God. I, that, I'm seeing a face right now of a guy, I don't want to say his name because I, I don't know him now, but I just don't think I should say names. There's a guy that was, had a business in downtown Indianapolis. I remember the first time I saw him. He came to the dock door to open the door behind his business for me to, to deliver my freight to him. And he had, he had, he had this uh, demonic thing, the red spooky eyes, the big necklace on. and I can't remember what all this guy had. He was a weird, 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 weird dude. He's a devil worshiper. He's a devil worshiper. And so anyway, he came to cut my truck there, and I, I forget what was going on. I started, talk, I started talking Jesus. When I started talking Jesus, that kind of paralyzed things in the spiritual arena where the devil couldn't speak. And so then the guy starts telling me, you know, what he is. He told me that's what he was. He is a Satanist. But he told me that his stomach was so messed up with whatever it was messed up with, all he could drink was goat's milk or something. He was just messed up in life. So long story short, 
my wife and I were able to hook up with him and his girlfriend, lead him to Jesus, got him healed, got him set free. But the thing was that the power of God in me, I knew, was greater than the power of the devil was in him. We got that stuff off of him. You know, God sends it to so many people. We got to recognize why, why, why do Christians get afraid of people that are demon-possessed? Why just call somebody gets messes up their body with all kinds of piercings and, and all kinds of goofy stuff because of the t- type of thing they're doing. And I'm not putting down on people like that because everybody that does that kind of stuff not like that. I'm just saying that's what this guy did. Had all kinds of messed up stuff all about his life. And that was the devil trying to destroy a man's life by cutting up himself and hurting himself and all the things he did. If I would have been a, a regular week, a, a week <laughs> losing Christian, I saw him... I would have wanted to run the other way, but I saw him. I thought, glory to God, thank you, Jesus. You gave me one. That's what I always thought. Every time I've, I read across really messed up people, instead of letting them mess me up, I thought, thank you, Jesus. I got to demonstrate the power of God today. Hey, man, can you see that? You know, that's why these confessions we, leave you, we lead you in all the time are so important. These devotions we give are so important. Have you ever noticed a lot of these devotions I give you? I got you confessing. 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. And we confess those things all the time. Love endures long and is patient and kind. I've got the love of God in my heart. I love, I love, I love, I reach out. All these different things because when these things catch you unawares, all of a sudden somebody crosses your path that needs that. If you're doing these confessions all the time, reading these devotions all the time, sitting in services like this, hearing testimonies all the time, when they cross your path, you immediately, the buttons of the heart, the mouth speak as it comes out of you. And you just get excited because you get an opportunity to turn somebody from Satan to God. You know, there's, there's so, you've heard a lot of my stories. I've got so many stories like that I can tell you. It's, it's just so amazing what happens when you turn your life over to Jesus. And so it says to turn them from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. He said, whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. And Brother Hagin says, in our lives we call that the heavenly vision, the heavenly calling. We've all got a heavenly calling from God on our lives. And, you know, I think about that job I had, it was just such a learning place for me. I learned to preach the gospel by going to nursing homes and hospitals and jails and prisons and city parks. I would, I would just go anywhere and everywhere if there was anybody, if there's a person and they were breathing, then I wanted to get to them. And so every, every opportunity, you know, I, this is about sharing my testimony about my life. I learned more out of doing things out there that you'd ever learn in a Bible school. That was hands-on training. I just, I can't tell you the amount of blind people had really messed up people. I got to minister to those places that would never come to a church because they weren't Christians didn't go to church. But God was always ready to demonstrate his power. And after, after, after I prayed for that lady that time, that power came through my arm, there was nobody could ever tell me anywhere that God didn't do that. Nobody could tell me what he wouldn't do. I welcomed every challenge. You know, I just think, I just, I just think about how I learned. Uh, there was a Christian radio station 
called WNTS in Indianapolis. I didn't know there was Christian radio until I was playing my truck radio after I was a Christian because all, all I ever knew at saying was Hank Williams. I didn't know anybody else was on there, <laughs> you know, or Merle Haggard or somebody back then. And so I, I, turned, I turned on this surf of the thing one morning, and I heard a guy say, this is Kenneth Hagin, Faith Seminar of the Air. And I started listening to this guy preach, and when I heard him preaching, he was sharing things about faith like we teach here. And so I started praying. And I said, Lord, is there a pastor in Indianapolis like that? Because the Pentecostal church took me as far as they went because they didn't really teach the Bible much. They taught emotions. And everything is, oh, can't you just feel God? Well, you know, if God's a spirit, how do you feel God? You have to pick him up in here. And sometimes, because the anointing, your flesh can get goosebumps, hair stand up on the back of your neck when the anointing is strong. But that's, that's what it was. So if you don't get any goosebumps or no hair standing up, does that mean God's not in your church? No, he's in your church. And so Brother Hagen on the radio was teaching how to live by the word, not by, not by what your feel, feelings are. And so I started praying for a pastor like that. And then God hooked me up with my, with my pastor, Word of Faith pastor. And he taught me and discipled me and raised me up to know faith things. And so then my pastor was very bold. And he talked about cast out devils and gave testimonies. He talked about laying hands on the sick, not at Dutch and churches, at places. And so that's why everywhere I went, Anybody, all I'd have to do is hear somebody sneeze, and I was on top of it. I was ready to go. I remember one day, I was down at a place called, called Woolco at their dock. And there's a Baptist guy that I'd been talking to, and he had the double barrel stock going on. It was wintertime in Indiana. As soon as I saw him, I walked in one day, hey, how you doing? And he's doing the hacking and the cough and stuff like that. And all I thought was, man, oh, man, let's go. And so... Before he could say anything, I popped my head on his forehead like he's in the line up here. I popped my head on his forehead, rebuked it, man, everything dried up, man, it was going, disappeared. That's what I did. And, you know, that all prepared me to get to the place in time when God would say, I could use you now in the ministry I've called you to. And I'd get up here because I wasn't afraid to do it out there. Hey, man, I wasn't disobedient to the heavenly vision. God didn't just call me to preach here. He called me to preach everywhere. And, you know, God may not have called you to preach inside here. Maybe you can share your testimony and stuff sometimes. But I'll tell you one thing. You can preach at the family reunions. <laughs> I remember one Saturday, I'd, I got up and went to this park I wanted to work, and it was, it was mostly black people there. And so I, I went, right up to, went right up to the picnic tables and I sit down at the table with the ball. And, you know, I didn't exactly look like the rest of them, but I would fit in there. And I, this one time, I went to this table, and I was eating the chicken with them and everything, and then I got a prayer group going. <laughs> I got a bunch of young people, the teenagers, and I had them all joined hands in a circle, and all the adults sitting there watching, what's this guy doing, man? They had their eye on me. And I got them singing Jesus songs and then praying together. And worship it together. And I always, 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 wherever I was at, I always found some way to get my foot in the door to do something. I used to work emergency rooms. You know, what kind of people's in emergency rooms? Sick people. And what did I want to do? I wanted to see sick people get healed. I remember one day, 
I went to community hospital. Matter of fact, that couple got me baptized in the Holy Ghost. We used to work the hospitals together. And so we was in the emergency room, and this, this young couple came in there, and this guy's middle finger was split right down the middle, cut it with a knife or something. It was split wide open. And so they were sitting there waiting to get called up there, and we went over to him, and I said, I'm a Christian. I said, Jesus is a healer, and if you let me pray for you, he'll heal your finger. And I'll tell you what, I've never seen one like this since. We laid hands on that man, and the only thing I can tell you what this looked like, when I was in school, they had this film we see about photosynthesis. They'd have these flowers open up in slow motion. You know, they show what flowers do. And then the flower would start closing up again like that. We looked at that guy's finger, and all of a sudden, in slow motion, we saw it start closing up and disappeared. It was totally healed. That happened right while we watched it. We all saw it happen. And him and his girlfriend, they couldn't say anything except get up and walk out of there because they didn't need a doctor anymore. Nevertheless, after a couple of weeks at that hospital, they got my number, and the next time I went in there, security grabbed me. And they grabbed me because I followed a janitor into a closet to pray for him. And I was so young and full of Jesus, I didn't think about how things looked. But I was... I, I couldn't find a case in there, so they had this janitor in the hallway with mop his mop bucket. I was witnessing to him. He opened up the closet door. He did. I went right in, too. And then security said, you're going to have to leave. So I left. But, you know, I'm telling you how I learned. There's a lot of things now I wouldn't do like that, but I was just all ready to be used by Jesus. And, you know, I do not know how many lives before I got into the ministry were changed out there. But I know this, I had about 100% success because Jesus, Mark 16 says, he'll confirm his word with signs following. He'll confirm his word that's preached in the church and acted upon. He'll confirm his word that takes place out there. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you one more story. Pastor Dave, was you, yeah, I was talking, you were talking to the boys about my brother got shot, that, got knifed up in that shotgun battle. Well, my whole family aren't Christians yet. But they're getting close. And so years ago, years ago, I had two younger brothers. They got in a shotgun knife fight. And so in the fight, they ended up dodging the shotgun, but one of them got ripped all the way down his belly. And I lived a long ways off. And uh, we, got a, we got a phone call. They was in the hospital down this other county. So Mrs. Pastor and I got right back down there. I was a truck driver. Went in there. I asked for him. And they said, he's over there in that room. Said I said, well, what are they doing? said, we can't do anything. I said, what doctor? I said, said the doctor looked at him, walked out, said that he's just dying. I thought, man, this is no good. So he's my brother. I'm a believer. I got hands. I know the name of Jesus. So I walked in there, put my hand on him, rebuked the devil, released the anointing of God, and within a week, he's back on his construction job. Amen. I mean, things like this were very commonplace in my life. And they still are, except it's all church stuff now. But that's the kind of things we did. You know, I'm just thinking about Christians. I was so glad I heard a man named Kenneth Hagin on the radio got me hooked up with faith. I was so glad God gave me a pastor that believed this. You know, I'm thinking about Betty back there. Uh, 
the, the boldness God gives them. We've got authority over things. Betty had some surgery a few years ago. Down at, was that was, was just St. Mary's? Yeah, it's St. Mary's. And we went in there to see Betty. And when we was in there, they blocked the hallway off and stopped us, everything like that. And I asked the receptionist at the desk, I said, I said, what's going on? I said, what's happening? I said, we got, we got an active shooter out in the parking lot. And so everybody was huddled up. They're all scared like that. I looked out the window. I thought, wait a minute. I'm a believer, and that's the devil. As I walked through the crowd over there, they had all kinds of police cars from all these agencies all over the parking lot. I walked out the window. I said, Satan, in the name of Jesus, I take a thought over you right now. I bind you, spirit of death and murder. Get out of here in Jesus' name. Lord, I want to thank you. I'm a tither. You break the devour for me. And all these people are with me, Lord. I want to thank you. This thing out of here in Jesus' name. No policeman hurt. That man not hurt. Nobody hurt in Jesus' name. And within five minutes, it was cleared up. And, but you know the strange thing about it? All those people that were huddled around in fear there, when I did that, they started saying, yeah, amen, yeah. <laughs> That's a true story. And so... We've been through this thing so many times as a Christian, but, you know, I've shared my testimony. My testimony is things that I've personally seen and heard. What is a witness in court? You've all seen police. A witness is somebody, they saw something or they heard something. Now, if Jamie were to say, well, my pastor said he saw that happen down there at the hospital. You know, the judge say, well, what'd you see? I I wasn't there. Well, you're not a reliable witness then. That's hearsay. But I was there. I saw that. So the judge would take my witness. And so that's how our witness works. It's good to tell other people's stories, but there's more credibility when it's your story. You know, it's nice to know that your pastor laid hands on somebody and they got healed. And so what I found out, matter of fact, there was a, there was a season the Lord assigned me to different people. And those are, there's a real popular... It's a cult, but it carries the name of Christian that's in America. And so for a season, God had me working on those people, sitting across my path. And so I remember, I remember, well, one, well, they were knocking on our door, and so Mrs. Pastor would go to the back and pray, and they'd have three, they, 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 they got my number. They heard about it. We got, we got a real serious with it here. And so a couple of them came and come back again, and they said, can we bring our supervisor back? I said, yeah, man, I look forward to it. So they brought they brought the guy in, and Miss Pastor prayed in tongues, and he, he asked, you know, tried to set me up for all their stupid stuff, and I didn't study their religion, I studied the Bible, and so this guy then he'd say, wait a minute, he said, do you mind if I pull my book out? I said, go ahead. He said, now if you if I ask you this, you say this, and I'm supposed to say this, okay? And he started he was getting nervous, as he would read things out of there, and I would pop off four or five scriptures, read it, and so then. I said, you guys come back next week? He said, no. (laughs) But during that same season, I was downtown Indianapolis in the main part of downtown Indianapolis, right in the middle of everything, in my truck, and this guy from that that certain cult was talking, and I started witnessing to him. He starts telling me what he is. He's an elder in the such and such thing. He starts telling me that there. And so I did what I always do. I think, glory to God, thank you, Jesus. And so... I start talking about what Jesus does, and so he tells me who Jesus is, the Son of God, but so am I, you are, we're all sons of God. 
I said, yeah, but the Jesus I serve, let me tell you what he did last week. And so then I told him about people I prayed for, how they got healed. And the guy started kind of, well, what? I said, wait a minute, no. I didn't say my preacher prayed for him. I said, I did. I said, I'm not telling you what somebody else said. I'm telling you what I'm telling you. I prayed for this when this happened. I prayed for that one in the name of Jesus. This happened. And the guy kind of started getting nervous and shaking, getting tears in his eyes. He said, well, I believe he'd do it for you. I said, yeah, he did do it for me. He does it for me every day. And so you know what that is? If I would have said, you know what? My pastors had some wonderful experiences. You look, here's what here's what God did my pastor. They can laugh at you. But when you're standing there eyeball to eyeball with them and you're telling the truth about how God uses you and what's going on, then they can't call you a liar because it's eyeball to eyeball and there's anointing following you in that. And Jesus is there to confirm his word besides following. So anyway, that's what's always worked for me as a witness, as a witness I don't tell what happens at Kenneth Copeland's conventions. I don't go around telling what's happened at the, some faith convention. I tell what's happening in my life, what God's doing, because I'm a reliable witness. It's not hearsay. I saw it. You know, I've heard so many good stories from people like Kenneth Hagin, Kenneth Copeland, Dr. Sumrall, a lot of people. They're good stories, but when I tell my stories, then that's what they listen to. Hey, man, so I just want to see that for you as Christ, for you as Christians. As you follow me, as I follow Christ, don't ever be afraid to do what the Bible says to do. Don't ever be afraid to tell them that Jesus will do anything for you. Don't ever be afraid to tell them. Because you step out of the name of Jesus, Jesus is the one that said, Go ye therefore and preach the gospel to every nation. Cast out devils. Lay hands on the sick. He said, I will be with you till the end of the age. Amen, amen. That's about all I got. Amen. Praise God. It's been a great 43 years. I'm looking for a whole lot more. Okay. You got it, Pastor Dave? Yeah, yeah. I'll t- I tell you what. Would, uh, we're, we're, uh, I want to make sure somebody got a hold of that. Can I have a count on that tonight? How many? Did, I'll tell you what did I get. Only three? I thought I did better than that. <laughs> that, that, that that's a reliable disciple when they can count you. I tell you what. I'll tell you what. Some, pe- some people go up here and preach, and I bet you can't count all the amens they do. <laughs> Glory to God. We just love it. We love it. We love it. Let's stand up. And, uh, you know, I, I think about a lot of what I've, a lot of what I've got that got me started, and I, I'm just so not conscious of today because I've done this so many years. Because my pastor was bold, and he had bold leaders that told stories like this all the time, I believed it, and I started doing it. That's so easy in restaurants, libraries, gas stations, wherever I was, at, just to be able to quick to pray for people because that's what they did, and we follow those who follow Christ. And we do what they do, and we get the results they got. So if you want, if you want more boldness tonight, I'd like to lay hands on you. If you want, if you want, if you want an impartation, I'd like to lay hands on you. And I, I'm not going to tell you what, but that would be four. That's just three and a half, okay? <laughs> okay. If you need something, I want to lay hands on you and.
My, my best friend that I traveled with for a lot of years before we both got married by our separate ways, we used to, as we were young, we got to go around, I call them the big guys, we got to go around a lot of Brother Hagen places, Kenneth Copeland, Lester Summerall, T.L. Osborne, the great faith giant world preachers of the day. We traveled around the country on vacation stuff. And at every opportunity, I knew that because Moses laid hands, laid, 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 laid hands on uh, Joshua, Paul laid hands on Timothy, and I saw the spiritual principle. At every opportunity, we get around a great man of God. We say, lay hands on us. And so I, you know, Gary and I were talking about that the other day, that all those times we had that, that impartation comes into us. And so I, I, I attribute I attribute a lot of what I've got for boldness and power from the men of God that laid hands on me, and we've received that. So anyway, if you want something, come up here and get it, and Pastor, Pastor Dave's a mighty man of God too. We'll lay hands on you. You make mountains move, you make giants fall, you use songs of praise to shake prison walls. I will speak to my fear, I will preach to my doubt that you were faithful then, you'll be faithful you make mountains move you make giants fall you use songs of praise to shake prison walls i will speak to my fear i will preach to my doubt you were faithful then you'll be faithful standing on your word I'm calling heaven down to earth and you will fight my enemies and this will end in victory and I will believe it I will believe it cause you make mountains move you make giants fall You use songs of praise To shake prison walls I will speak to my fear I will preach to my doubt That you were faithful then You'll be faithful now You make mountains move you make giants fall You use songs of praise To shake prison walls I will speak to my fear I will preach to my doubt You were faithful then You'll be faithful now Yes, you were faithful then You'll be faithful now And I know that I know You never fail Oh yes, I know that I know You never will 
And I know that I know that you never fail. Oh yes, I know that I know that you never will. Cause you make mountains move and you make giants fall. You use songs of praise to shake prison walls. I will speak to my fear, I will preach to my doubt, you are faithful then, you'll be faithful now, you were faithful then, you'll be faithful now, and I know that I know that you never fail, oh yes I know that I know you never will and I know that I know that you never fail oh yes I know that I know that you never will and I know that I know that you never fail oh yes I know that I know that you never will fail oh yes I know that I know that you never will cause you make mountains move you make giants fall you use songs of praise to shake prison walls I will speak to my fear I will preach to my doubt you were faithful then, you'll be faithful now. You make mountains move, you make giants fall. You use songs of praise to shake prison walls. I will speak to my fear, I will preach to my doubt. You were faithful then, you'll be faithful now. You were faithful then, you'll be faithful now. And I know that I know you never fail. Oh yes, I know that I know you never will. And I know that I know you never fail. Oh yes, I know that I know you never will. And I know that I know you never fail. Oh yes, I know that I know you never will. And I know that I know you never fail. Oh yes, I know that I know you never will. You make mountains move, you make giants fall. You use songs of praise to shake prison walls. I will speak to my fear. I will preach to my doubt. 
Everybody's been blessed with us this evening. Amen. Wasn't that awesome to hear the the story and the testimony? And 43 years later, hallelujah. And I'm glad that my dad gave his life to Jesus and met my mom. And, and you know, it's just great. It's We thank the Lord for everything that he's done. Amen. All right. Well, let's go ahead. We're going to close out in prayer tonight. And I encourage you, hey, this is on YouTube and everything like that. Go back and watch it again or go on the, the podcast app if you have that. And, and you can listen to the audio again. But, you know, it's just a really, uh, really great tool that we have to be able to, to keep hearing the word. Amen. All 
All right, let's go ahead and close out in prayer. And we remind you that we've got service Wednesday, so be here at 7. We're going to do it all over again. And men, I didn't announce this, but Saturday is the men's meeting at 9 a.m. So, gentlemen, let's be there for our men's meeting, all right? Pastor Katie's got something, all right. Okay, gentlemen, remember last time this didn't go so well, okay? There were like... 12 of you and you all brought donuts except for some cereal and stuff. Okay. Here's the deal. No donuts. Cause somebody else is bringing it. Okay. So 9am victory hall, you're bringing food. You can bring juice. You can bring bagels. Listen, we don't do this for women's and you men like food better than us women do anyway. So seriously, figure it out, okay? But men's is this Saturday. You need to be there. Gentlemen, do you hear me? You need to be there. Take your lunch hour. Stay up after your night of work. Don't bring donuts, but make it to men's meeting this Saturday. Do you hear me? Okay, I'm sending you text messages. I will hunt you down. Pastor Dave's nicer than me, but I will hunt you down. You need to be at men's Saturday. I'm familiar with that tone. Boys, I think she means business, all right? think you guys better show up. (laughs) All right. Praise God. Let's close in prayer, and then we'll let you all get out of here. It's supposed to get colder tonight, maybe a little rain, so we want to go home, all right? Praise the Lord. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, so much for what we've seen in the Word tonight about the Apostle Paul, but also, Lord, we we thank you for the testimony from Pastor's life and how he's answered the call and been obedient to submit to you, and we thank you for uh, just the revelation that has been poured into our lives all these years, Lord, and we thank you for that, and Lord, I pray for each person here, especially those that that came up to receive more of you and, and Lord, some power in their lives that you are working in their lives moment by moment. And Lord, they are getting stronger and stronger and bolder and bolder for you, Lord. We love you and we thank you so much. In Jesus' name, can everybody say amen? Amen. All right. All right. James, you want to do it? All right. This is redemption for, all right. Mr. James Browning, he's my he's my second in command on the Barstow Faith Confession. Close us out, brother. Make us proud. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is safe. In Jesus' name, amen. See you Wednesday.